the difference between that and the other ideas is that I didn't hit a dead end. With the other ideas, I felt like I hit a dead end on how far I can go. And then I let go. Whereas with this one, I could keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I kept getting more and more information that I really enjoyed learning and discovering. And that's kind of, to me, what put me on the pathway towards it. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Active Ingredient Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I am a deeply curious person who is constantly on a mission to uncover the light that exists within all of us. On this podcast, I talk to people from all walks of life who have uncovered their light and actively cultivate it in their everyday, whether it be through career, relationships, spirituality, or a combination of the three. My hope is that these conversations help us start uncovering our own light that already exists within us, which is what I like to call our active ingredient, so that we can tap into it, bring it to the forefront, and live the lives that we were intended to. Hello, hello. Happy Monday. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you guys had an amazing weekend. I'm so pumped for this episode. I literally was on the biggest high ever after having had her on. Aside from being like the biggest fan of the brand, I just really, really enjoyed this story. So this week's episode is with Sasha Plavsik, who is the founder of Ilia Beauty, which if you haven't heard of it, it is the best-selling clean beauty brand on the market today. And it's literally the only makeup that I wear and I swear by. It's so good. She says that the best starter product is the mascara, but personally, I think it's the skin tint, the serum. It is just everything of the sort. Before Ilya, Sasha had a career in branding where she worked both at an agency and in-house at brands like Sage and Urban Decay. And what most people don't know is that Sasha actually started two brands as a side hustle before coming up with the idea for Ilya. At the age of 30, she couldn't shake the feeling of being unfulfilled and decided to quit her job, leave the long-term relationship that she was in, and essentially move back in with her parents to give herself time to breathe, regroup, and reconnect with herself and her roots. She launched Ilya back in 2011 and completely self-funded the brand for the first eight years of the business and says that it wasn't until last year, 2020, that she thinks that the brand finally made it, which is an amazing reminder in consistency, perseverance, and delayed gratification, which is, as you guys know, one of my favorite topics on this show. On this episode, we get into Sasha's extremely empowering story on how she got to where she is today. We talk about her evolution in business, having started two businesses prior to Ilya, and what it was about this idea that stuck. Having the strength to let go of things and people that no longer serve you. Tuning in and listening to your inner voice, not giving into societal pressures, finding your own personal groove, and how her own active ingredient has evolved throughout the years. So with that, let's welcome Sasha Plavsik, founder of Ilya, to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the Active Ingredient Podcast. Ilya is literally my number one beauty product. My whole face right now is Ilya, just FYI. So I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Excited to be here. 
So I always kick off the podcast asking what the guest was like as a kid that you remember. Um, I find that a lot of people that are currently living in their active ingredient are currently doing something that feels like they're in alignment. Um, a lot of the qualities in your childlike self tend to kind of like translate into what you're doing now. So I'm curious what you remember or what like the people around you at that age um, say about you. Well, when I was really little, which I cannot remember, um, I could talk before I could walk. So I think I didn't walk until I was 18 months and my mom took me to the doctor, but I was really good at being able to say, I want this, I want that, move that over here. So I think I was good at giving the commands at a young age. Um, Apparently I was a happy kid for the most part. I think I had really great parents and was really fortunate in that regard and My dad was from Europe and we grew up in Canada, but we traveled a lot. And I think I was exposed to a lot of different cultures and places at an early age that I don't even remember. Um, And then, yeah, apparently I was just really talkative. Like I'd want to go sit and talk with the adults and have adult conversations when I was three or four and maybe a little bit more serious, a little bit more reserved. Um, So that's kind of at least what I've been told. And then from what I remember, as far as what I wanted to do, I was always really into animals as a kid. So that that's definitely changed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't test on animals, so I feel like in some way. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a correlation there. Um, but yeah. I don't know, was, that's a stretch. <laughs> it, it can totally work. Yeah, we're Leaping Bunny certified, cruelty-free. So yeah. So I feel like you, at least in the past uh, interviews that I've heard you speak on or in a lot of press that you've done, you, you do talk about your relationship with your mom a lot. Um, is, she, is she still like very much in your life and, and someone that you lean on as your you know, career journey has continued to evolve? Um, yeah, I'm just curious to know, to know what that relationship is like today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's 30 feet away from me downstairs in <laughs> a bedroom right now. So she's been spending the last couple of months with us. She usually comes in the winter. But um, when I was younger at that age, actually, I think I was more by myself because my brother was really sick as a kid. So I remember her being very caring, but also very stressed out uh, just because he had certain autoimmune issues and asthma. So growing up there, she, for me, was a mother who was always asking why and very curious about getting to the bottom of things, not just from uh, one viewpoint, but being able to look at things from a few different viewpoints. And I think um, really how this journey began for me was I left the home when I was 18. I went to school. I traveled the world. I lived in different places and I came home at 30 and she was there again, you know, and I hadn't really spent time in 12 years, but she was on top of me again. You know, what are you using on your skin? You got to be careful with what you're eating. You got to be aware, you know, of the, your environment and what you expose yourself to. And just not in like a, a really, I don't know, kind of dogmatic way, but more caring, you know, like I want you to open your eyes so when I opened my eyes and really started reading what was in my products, I became curious like her to look further Yeah, and ask more I questions. Like, I feel like that's such an important part to any entrepreneur is like to always have the why and to be a problem solver because 
I feel like if you don't question the status quo, then you don't come up with the idea. And if you don't have like that problem solving ability, then it doesn't, you can't execute. So I feel like you have both of those combinations and it's cool that you had your mom to kind of like open your eyes to the problem in the first place. Yeah. Um, Cool. So you actually started your career in branding. Um, I want to know how you went from wanting to be a vet to then going into branding um, and what you thought your life was going to look like before you kind of had that existential moment at 30. Yeah. Wanting to be a vet. I wanted to be a vet for so long. It was probably like ages five through 12. We had a dog, a cat with two cats. One of them had four kittens. I had two parakeets two hamsters, two turtles. And I would spend my weekends cleaning those cages, totally enjoying it. And just really, I don't know, just really enjoying being with animals. And I think what happened, I started getting into sports. I was actually a swimmer and I spent less time at home and I started going away to swim meets. So, and I was spending a lot of time in my head. Like I think, you know, different sports bring different things, but as a swimmer, even though you're on a team, you're also very alone in your thoughts and it leaves a lot of time for daydreaming. Um, so I, I think that if I really were to think of my teens, there was a real period of hours every day where I was able to just daydream. And I think that if anything mm-hmm. made my imagination feel open to new ideas and experiences and maybe perhaps more creative, Um, my dad was an architect, so I was very interested in design and very interested in architecture, but he had a hard time in his business and was the last thing that he wanted me to do. (laughs) So what, yeah, he was like, I don't want you to go through what I went through. And he had been very successful, but it's a challenging industry, especially, you know, Mm -hmm. he was successful in the sixties and seventies. And later, I think the business today is even quite challenging. Um, So I went into design and I was really into multimedia design, as they called it back then in the, what is that? What, or what did that mean then? Uh, it was like learning how to use Flash and the Adobe programs like Photoshop, mm-hmm. um, Premiere. There was still all the same type of programs, but they were just in a really elementary phase. I know we, I was in a program for 10 months when we were working on those. I don't even remember them. They were like the colorful Mac. They looked like bubble gum, you know, the different colors. They were mm-hmm. the little, maybe it was an iMac. It was like I the first one. It- I, I, I mean, I have a, like a vision in my head. It just looked like the rainbow and it was like, yeah, it's like that. Okay. Yeah. And they looked like and they, you could pick them up and they were yeah. green and blue. And I mean, we were working off of those and I got really into my head and Photoshop and really started daydreaming. And then after that worked with a firm doing web design, but what I really was passionate about was image and type. So I decided after 9-11, where it was a tough time in the, in the job market, Um, I wanted to go do a proper degree and I went to the London College of Communication, of which it was a three-year program in typography. And it was super out there. It's a sister school to Central St. Martin's, so very arty, not very technical and Mm -hmm. job-oriented, but it, it, like, they'd give you a brief where it was like, you'd say gravity, and then you'd have to go build a whole sketchbook and project on what that meant to you. So it was very open. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the summers, I worked with a branding firm called Tank Design that had offices in London and New York. And that's where I started developing a bit of a passion for a storytelling aspect to design. So how many years were you doing that for? 
Uh, if I count the multimedia years, I would say it was probably a decade from 20 to 30. Got it. So I'm curious about anyone that has ha- like created a successful business on the entrepreneurial itch. Like, would you say that when you were in these roles working for someone else that you had an itch to eventually start something of your own? And did you ever have the idea of starting your own branding agency? Like how, walk, walk me through if that's ever been a thought. Absolutely. I think I never really found the right home. There were a lot of brands I wanted to work for, but I I think I was maybe afraid to reach out at the time and really push for a position that I wanted as I was working my way up. And I was also, I had a boyfriend at the time and we moved around and where he found a job, I kind of had to find a job too. So um, I did actually land in Orange County and that's where in my, I guess it was 26, 27, I started feeling an itch. And I worked in the eyewear industry and then I briefly worked at a larger cosmetic company in Orange County. And, and this is in-house? Doing- I was in, yeah. So I was doing that. And then on the side, you know, I just had these daydream-like ideas of these visions of something that I wanted to do. And I had this, like, one idea. The first one was a double-face felt coat. I had this beautiful coat that was double-face felt. Being in Vancouver all the time, there was a lot of rain. I had this idea that it would be beautiful to do kids' coats like that. So I started looking into the materials, you know, obviously looking in Asia, realized that, you know, how they get the wool and the way it's done was not sustainable. It was really bad for the environment, what was happening and how it was being done. So I actually decided to pull out of that and let it go. Second idea was when I was in Bali and they do these beautiful hand-painted silk scarves and started producing some, putting them online, seeing if I could sell them. But it was so tedious and time consuming to do that it wouldn't be sustainable as a business because Mm -hmm. of the amount of effort that went into create these kind of gradient, colorful masterpieces. Um, And the thread between the two was color. Like I was obsessed with color. And so I think I was looking for something that I felt a connection to and really enjoyed from a visual standpoint but didn't find it until I actually started exploring my makeup bag. I feel like this is so important. And I actually have not heard you say that on any other podcast, because I feel like people hear your name or see the brand and they think this is like your first shot and like the first thing that you did, but clearly it took different iterations. You were doing that on the side, uh, which is a huge thing. Um, So I want to get into Ilya, but before we do, this is the part that I'm most interested in. And it sounds like you had some sort of Saturn return or something in your thirties or when you turned 30, but I want to, I want to understand what happened. I know that you were in a relationship and you decided to like, kind of just take a step back from everything and slow down. Um, Was it that the scarf business was also not taking off at the same time you were reevaluating your relationship? Did the age 30 like scare you? Like walk me through everything that's happening. Cause think about the guest who's listening to the show is literally someone that's probably in that same age range. Yeah. I think I, I really do think it depends on your personality when you're that age and what, what you want. I think a lot of us, when we're younger, we have a vision of when I'm this age, I want this career position. When I'm that age, I want to be married. And when I'm this age, I want to have kids. And there's so much planning that we do in our head and society kind of puts that on us. And there was a lot of pressures. And to be honest, I had everything lined up around 27, I'd been with somebody for seven years. We were more or less engaged and ready to be together forever. We had a beautiful home that we were renting, but a gorgeous home in Laguna Beach. And um, everything was set up perfectly, but I felt really empty inside. There was something that 
felt like it was missing. And it wasn't missing from my relationship. It wasn't really missing from my job. It was missing from within myself. And I think I was finding reasons to blame other areas of my life. So, you know, I left my job. I left um, the guy. And I still felt this emptiness. And I don't want to say I felt like I was destined to do other things. But there was a part of me inside me that felt that that was just something that needed to happen. And uh, I needed to find my own groove, so to speak, not somebody else's groove, but my own. And I do believe there's a lot of people out there that feel that way. And it doesn't mean you necessarily have to start a business. It, It may just mean you have to try on other things until you figure that out. And the only thing that's holding was holding me back from that or would hold anybody else back, I believe is fear, you know? So I think when you're 28 and Saturn return, I do believe in that. I also think from a maturity standpoint, it's when you start to grow up Um, before that you, you, you don't, unless you maybe have a life event happen and there's something traumatic. I feel like I wasn't really growing up until that age. And that's when I started to not think about as much what my parents thought I needed to do or people around me thought I needed to do. I started thinking about what I wanted to do. And if you listen, if you are going through that, I really encourage people to listen to your gut because if you don't deal with it, then you most likely will be dealing with it later in your life. So how, how did you find it? Like, how did, did you have like time off that you were just like, okay, I'm going to give myself six months or whatever it is. And, and what did you do to kind of like fill the void or like to like, you know, find the clarity? Did you go to therapy? Like walk, walk us through how you got there. I just decided to stop. You know, I think that actually is probably more important than anything today because we definitely stopped in the last year, but I decided to step off, so to speak. And I actually made a decision. The first thing I did was leave the guy and he was such a nice guy. I still love him today. And I think, um, I just left. I literally like things weren't working and I got in the car in the morning and he knew something was wrong and he met, he came running out to the garage and I just rolled on the window and I'm like, I'm not coming back. You know, I'm moving out today at lunch. And it was a really like a bandaid, you know, that had to be ripped. So that was the first step that was, it just, there was change that had to happen. And I also think that change like that, you have to just make the move, you know, not, not drag it out. The second thing was the job. And eventually I left that as well. Um, and it was like a, like a series of steps. And then the recession hit, I freelanced with this beauty company for several months and they offered me a position, but because of the timing, the salary was so low to what I was used to. And I just kind of thought, this doesn't feel like me. This brand doesn't feel like me. I don't really resonate with its values. And I can't believe how well they're doing because so many people are resonating with it, but there's no, there isn't a, re- a brand out there in beauty that I feel is really resonating with, with me. And so that was kind of maybe the first moment of, I can't connect to anything in this industry though I love so much. I'm so curious about it and I love so much about it. And then that was when I made the decision to pack up in Southern California and drive up the coast back to Vancouver and move into a little student suite that's next to my parents' garage. Such an, such an empowering story. I feel like it's really important. And I feel like a lot of people would be stuck in that situation and just continue to go down that path because it was just 
what they thought was going to be like their destination. And, um, I feel like what you did is just, it's the hard thing to do, but it's clearly paid off. I've heard also that in your story, your mom is the one who really kind of opened your eyes to the beauty. Um, I was so lucky to have parents that were supportive. I think, um, I think that's really important too. And if you don't have that there, where would you have it in your life? That yeah. You know, because I do think you need support when you're making changes like that. Totally. And um, and they were big changes, right? So yeah, I came home. I I actually took a job as a shop girl in a beautiful boutique and was helping dress some of the really well-to-do women in Vancouver, of which I also, that was my own marketing study in a way there as well. Um, and then I took another job. Uh, as to rebrand a company called Sage Natural Wellness. Mm. So they do essential oils and everything. Yeah. And I was with them when they were so small. And I was really upfront with her and said, listen, I'm going to help you do this. But I, I have this other idea I'm working on at night. And that was Ilya. Okay, so I need to hear all the details of the beginning phases of Ilya, what you thought the brand was going to be, um, how your mom opened your eyes to the white space that was, I mean, I guess at the time the clean beauty market had absolutely not taken off the way that it has because you saw the white space. Um, And also what the differentiating factor was between the businesses that you had tried to start before and this one. I feel like a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs have a ton of ideas or things that come across their desk. What was it about this idea that you were like, this is it? I think it started off the same way as some of the other ideas where it was more uh, exploration in the beginning, right? And so when I came home, I had to make a bag full of stuff and, and skincare. But ultimately I was, you know, my mom, she actually, she's got beautiful skin. She never suffered from acne. I inherited from so my jealous. dad's side. I know. Are they almost 30 and let's like, this is all. You got to tell can't. me which one of the Ilya products is the best to cover all this because. Yeah, no. And, and that's the thing. I went through the same thing. I had like cystic acne from age 13 to 36. Damn. And I I'm like, I'm week. like, I hope at 30, it just like completely goes away. Like I can't be 30 and still have this issue. Oh, hormones. I know those hormones, I know. but I have high testosterone. It's like disgusting. <laughs> no, I, you know what I had, like, I produced a lot of oil, like I'm Mediterranean. So like there was just my background definitely attributed to certain factors of my skin. But one of the things was that I noticed as well, my skin was so sensitive and I was constantly on the hunt for products that would not break me out. I actually used a lot of Jane Eardale at the time because she, to me, is really the true pioneer in clean makeup. She's somebody who really looked at the ingredients and tried to remove many that would aggravate the skin, of which that's what I wanted that's where I really wanted to start. And I wasn't looking at it so much just in complexion. I actually just wanted to start with one product. So I chose something simple because I talked to a few people about the idea and how the idea came about is I had a tinted cherry chapstick from Europe that I've used for a decade. And everybody always said, oh, your lips just have such a soft, beautiful kiss of color. And they always gave me compliments. And when I looked at the ingredients in that chapstick, I was like, wow, there's a lot of things in here that probably don't need to be in here. Mm -hmm. So I downloaded a PDF on how to make lipstick out of curiosity and then just started researching. And it was literally a year of research and just 
looking at what ingredients may work, looking at how I could make this product at that time more organic. That's what I was after in the beginning and as natural as possible. And it was an exploration. I went to a trade show in Vegas, like flew down, you know, I think by myself. Um, I just spent two days and I ended up meeting a chemist. And by chance, you know, I was talking to somebody about packaging and just exploring, being really open to this idea that I was very persistent in going after. And I'd say to answer your question initially here, the difference between that and the other idea is that I didn't hit a dead end. With the other ideas, I felt like I hit a dead end on how far I could go and then I let go. Whereas with this one, I could keep putting one foot in front of the other and I kept getting more and more information that I really enjoyed um, learning and discovering. And that's kind of to me, what put me on the pathway towards it. What a good answer. And I feel like that's also a very important lesson in being able to let go of those first ideas. Cause I feel like some people just feel married to them and, and their identities kind of stuck to them and they kind of like beat a dead horse, but that is extremely powerful that you recognize it and were able to let go and continue on to the next thing. Um, when it comes to like formulation for a beauty product. I have literally no idea how this works. Um, so it was a year of research. And then how did, how did it go from like figuring out what you wanted to then actually producing it? Was it that same chemist that you met with that's still the chemist that you work with today? Like, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, if I really go back in time and this was, I mean, I was like thinking about this in 2009. That's when wow. I started the idea. So, cause it took two years to go to market and going to market was me walking into one store in Vancouver and asking if they would carry my lip tints. But, um, the, I actually, I researched different labs. The internet is amazing. You know, back then you could find quite a bit and, Nobody wanted to do what I was asking. You know, I would brief in, okay, I want, you know, these types of waxes, these types of butters, you know, and ask certain more chemistry-based questions that I didn't have the knowledge on and work with somebody who was strong in that area. But they would tell me, you're not going to be able to do it without this preservative. You're not going to be able to do it without these colors. You're not going to get this color like that without this. And there were so many things that came into play. And I understand them, you know, tenfold today. But back then it was finding a relationship with somebody that would trust a nobody because I was nobody, you know, and um, be willing to take a risk to create something new. And I did meet somebody who did that and we had a great connection and we did work together very, uh, like the, I'd say the most for the first five years of the business um, of which I created so many formulas with her. And there was just a passion and an understanding on we both knew where we wanted to get a product and nobody had really gone there. So we were going to challenge the status quo and see if we could do it together. So you started with the lip tint, but what did you always think that you wanted to keep it to that and keep it to color? Or did you have a vision already when you came to market that you wanted to have kind of a wide range of, of everything? Cause that's literally what you have now is everything. <laughs> I know, I know. And, and it's so funny because half of it, I kind of had to throw away in the middle uh, that wasn't working, but as what happened is I didn't, I will say I didn't have a full vision. I had a vision of getting these lip products and more multi-purpose product because we launched our multi-stick, you know, several months mm -hmm. after that, which is still a top seller in our range. I think it would have been in 2012 or launched, launched in 2011, but, um, I just had a vision of having these in beautiful lifestyle boutiques and providing the best, most nourishing lip products and multi-use products to the customer. And that was, I was in the moment in that. And from there, I couldn't, 
really envision much further. So Ford did call me in 2012, our merchant that I'm still very close to. And she, you know, said, I really like what you're doing. And I want to, you know, we've got our eyes on you. And I said, that's so nice. You know, I have no money. and I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm just really enjoying learning this process right now. So let's keep talking. But, you know, that was, I don't know, definitely a turning point in, oh, maybe I could make this bigger. So how long were you self-funded for? So long, and I wouldn't recommend it in today's day and age, but the company was different. Things are, you need to have power in order to, you know, kind of punch out into the industry. Um, Nobody was really in this space. It was much more of a green space Mm -hmm. and an organic space back in 2011. It was me walking to a few stores. I hired a sales rep and he was able to get me into those lifestyle boutiques. And it was very organic, word of mouth, daily candy. I remember Crystal oh used God. daily candy for daily something. Candy. I was, <laughs> was had, oh, I had like 300 orders online and I was crying with excitement. That's so awesome. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the pathway to funding took years and if you can hold out on it, I would recommend it. We it was a yeah twenty five thousand dollar line of credit that my dad co signed two lines or two credit cards. The line of credit was slightly increased, but there was major debt for the first three years, and then finally it went into the green. But it was so small; it was only a couple people. We were managing you know a comfortable amount of inventory. It was very manageable. Um, and then it started, you know, it started to change when Sephora came knocking on the door. Uh, I think that was in 2015, 2016. So I'd already had five years and I felt the pressure to create this whole line. But what happened is that in organic, you can't get the same level of performance. So in 2016, I had this meeting with Sephora and they said, we want to start testing you. And I remember I just had my first kid. My dad had actually passed away. There was all this stuff going on. And I turned to the head of color there and I said, I don't know what I'm doing. This is a totally different galaxy. I don't understand it. I need help. And she said, I know somebody I think that can help you. And she introduced me to Linda Berkowitz, who was the former president of Two-Face. She was an SVP at Bobby Brown. She's an industry veteran who is now today our CEO. And Linda consulted with us for six months. And... I made her a partner in the business after, because after a couple months, I was like, you know, you're so expensive. I can't really afford you. How can we make this work for the long term? And we found an agreement that we were both happy with. And we slowly started rebuilding the brand because when we looked at it together, she's like, your complexion, she's like, I don't think you're a love company. I think you're a complexion company. So I had to throw all of it away and in my head, start half of it over, of which, if I did do that, we wouldn't be where we are. Because that was really back in 2015, 14, when I was starting to reformulate with more safe synthetics. Mm-hmm. That was really the birth of clean. I mean, complexion is how I got, by the way, that was my foot in the door with the brand. Um, I totally agree that I feel like I, as a consumer, view it as a complexion company more so than... T- I, don't, I actually don't own any of the of the color products yet, which I definitely need to. But with the masks, I'm like, whatever. I just, I'm barely using anything on my lips right now. Um, 
But yeah, so I, I want to understand more about clean beauty in general. For someone that's listening, like I totally understand the benefit. I've seen actually, even though I still have acne, it's gotten so much better. I need to send you screenshots of what my skin looked like before. Like it was Yay. actually insane. It's made a massive difference in my in my skin. But I, for someone who's just like curious about clean beauty and has never bought a clean beauty product, can you explain why it's so important. Um, and also for your product specifically, what's like the best entry point product? Yeah, absolutely. I think clean beauty has evolved a lot. The definition has been relatively loose and having retail partners out there like Credo, Detox Market, Folane, you know, these are the boutiques. They really helped define that industry over the last five years. And then Sephora hopped on board and really gave a good definition. I actually helped work with them to outline the blacklists for for the for clean at Sephora. So that was something that we wow. did together because we were really the first clean makeup brand that they were going to start testing. I didn't know that. That's very cool. Yeah, it was great. You know, and, and they obviously it had to be phased. You know, it was a phase in and a tier system for how it works. And um, what I really learned, what, what clean is, is a definition. It's where the best of natural and the best of synthetic collide and meet together. And we say that not every natural ingredient is good for the skin, nor is every synthetic bad. And that is really clean beauty. You know, organic beauty, green beauty, that's a different category and a different camp. You know, there's certain things in natural that you don't want to have on your skin, or I would highly advise against if your skin is more prone to breakouts, you know, that could be anything with fragrance, whether it's natural or not. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be certain silicones, um, which actually aren't that bad. It's usually when they're more mixed with other things. It can be um, different alcohols, uh, essential oils, uh, comedogenic oils, like Mm -hmm. coconut derivatives. So there's a lot of things that we love to extract out of anything, especially that's complexion-based. And then you need things that are going to perform. So you will need perhaps some synthetic dyes, which aren't the best. But if you want that level of performance, a little bit here to get a great color is not going to, you know, it's not the end of the world. You want certain synthetics there to preserve. You want other things um, to actually improve the performance of that formula. Our point of difference that we started with is adding active levels of skincare ingredients. So for example, our super serum skin tint, SPF 40. My favorite, favorite product. It's literally what I have on my face right now. And that's squalene. Is that, is that how you say it? Squalene, squalene. Squ- yeah, it's squalene. You can say squalene, squalene. So everybody kind of says it differently, but yeah, that's a gun. It's so good. It's, it's so good. good. And you find it in skincare. It's a non-communogenic oil. We've got niacinamide, which is a super healer refiner for the skin. It's actually for people that have psoriasis, eczema, acne, it can actually help to refine the skin over time. And then you have hyaluronic acid because what people don't realize usually with problematic skin too, is that your skin is itching for moisture and you're usually using things to dry it out. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is it disrupts the skin barrier and you can be, you're overactivating your skin. So um, I'm totally going off on the tangent here, but no, I love it. you're like lighting <laughs> up. I love it. Keep going. Yeah. So Ilya is a point of difference because everybody has kind of their own definition. Our mission is to protect and revive the skin. So any product that we start with, I have to look at that. And that mission came into play. It's always been there, but we really brought it into the foreground a couple of years ago. Um, and cause we want your skin to look and feel alive. And we're doing that with 
skincare ingredients, right, that are incorporated into our formulas. So our the, the starting point is we need to protect and revive it. You know, the middle point is that we are looking to do that with skincare power makeup or beauty. And the end result is to make it look and feel alive. And that to me is like, no matter your age, no matter your skin tone, no matter your issue or your skin issue, everybody wants their skin to look alive. And that's where you get your compliments. That's where you feel you're most confident. And it doesn't mean masking. It doesn't necessarily mean covering. It just means working with what you have and making it better. How do you test for efficacy or, or how do you test to like, how, do, how does that process work? Like, or how long does it take when you're like, okay, I want to create a skin tint that does all of these things and has all of these things. And, I, and by the way, I can't use parabens to keep it shelf stable. Like how long does that take for every product that you come out with? A lot longer than it used to because Sephora has requests, you know, to work way in advance and so does my CEO. And I used to work so close to a launch. And so now we work a couple of years in advance um, and it takes a lot of time, especially when you have consumer testing, if there's clinicals involved. So a lot of our complexion products, the SPF is an FDA, you know, you have to also register internationally if you're going to sell internationally. So to me, it's definitely a two-year process. Um, but as far as, and, and then you needed money, like there's, we're doing a lot more clinical and consumer testing now because we had funding. And to answer that question, I think we funded the first time in 2018. Wow. Okay. So you launched in 2011. Yeah. Damn. That's very going. impressive. Yeah. That's breakout, breakout product was a new mascara. It grew so fast. We started getting more distribution and then it, it came to a point where we couldn't increase the line of credit and we needed, we needed money. You know, you, I think you get to a point and I think founders make this mistake. You either give away too much and get too much money in the beginning and go through it, or you get to a point where you should you need it. And if you don't have it, it can cripple the company and slow you down. So there's a real sweet spot in deciding when you want to, when you want to go for that. Um, how do you know, how did you know, or was it like a combination of you and your CEO thinking about it of how much to go for exactly and how much you were willing to give up? I feel like that sounds like such a naive question, but like, I feel like so many founders just don't know what that sweet spot is. How did you figure it out? Um, honestly, it was her first rodeo and, and being at that on the front lines there too. So we we had to make a plan, you know, we had to, we had to make a plan from a business standpoint and a projection and a forecast to where we thought we would be. Um, and we actually were, we didn't take very much the first round. Uh, and we thought we were thinking and even taking less and my goodness, and I'm happy we took a little bit more, but that amount that we took, uh, I, I can say it cause it's public. It was 3 million on the first round it only lasted us several months and then we had to go raise again. But what happened in doing that is that the company was worth a lot more right. months later. So you have, you don't have to give away as much, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of, it's almost like you're giving away chips, but you're doing it slowly. what are some resources that you've ever leaned on, on your entrepreneurial journey or personal growth journey, um, that you think would be beneficial to an active ingredient listener? Uh, I think researching, reading, um, I mean, today you can research and read and go down many rabbit holes of information that I find to be a slightly convoluted, but I think if you have, 
um, looking up towards people that actually inspire you. There were definitely people in the industry that I didn't speak to necessarily, but I looked towards what they did and what they were able to accomplish. And I was inspired by that. Even outside of my industry, different founders and their vision to see what they could create. And I think you have to recognize where your strengths are. You know, if you want to start something on your own, you don't necessarily need to be a visionary, but you're going to have to have somebody there to do that with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I am not somebody who can run operationally a huge company. So I had to bring in a CEO to do that. And to be honest, she's been the person who I have spoken to the most through the ups and downs of what we've gone through. And we have, we're very similar, but very different. And hiring people who are better than me in areas that I'm not, I think you have to find your way with that. And perhaps even personally, you know, surrounding yourself with people that compliment you that way. So I'd say, yeah, again, we're all in the same timeline. You get to choose how you want to spend your time. Who do you want to choose it with? What do you want to choose to do? You know, with that time. I love it. At what point did you feel like Ilya really took off? I feel like I've been seeing it absolutely everywhere. Every single one of my favorite influencers has been posting about it. Um, and also like if you can tap into your influencer strategy, that would be amazing. But yeah, when did you like finally see it kind of like play with the big boys and be like, damn, my product is competing with the max of the world? Uh, there were some SKUs that were competing a couple of years ago, but even a year ago, we didn't have that brand awareness. But as 2020 was such a challenging year, I feel guilty, but also grateful to say it was one of our best years. And I think it's the year that we broke away and broke out. Uh, We had to make so many quick decisions to tack, but not only that, we rebranded and we we launched um, our Super Serum Skin Tint. And all of that happened in February, right before the shutdown. And I remember going to a Sephora when everything was starting to shut down and I went just, it was in the mall and I was looking at the front of the store. We were there at the very front and the doors were closed and locked because of the shutdown. And I thought we made it, you know, (laughs) we made it. And we had our first billboard up, you know, and I thought, this is it, you know, here we go. And what we did is we continued, we pushed, we listened to what was happening in the world and we tried to react to it consciously, even with some of our campaign campaigns that we launched last year. And it, I think, really helped put us on the map. So 2020 was my year, nine years after I'd started this. Nine years after. I want everyone that's listening to take that in because people want immediate gratification. That is nine years of work. It was nine Plus years of all, work. all the years of research before that. That's yes. It's, it is long. Like I think you have to, I think it can be done faster. I think if you were starting today, I would recommend funding much sooner, depending on what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, you have more people, you have more problems, you have more product, you have more problems. There's, <laughs> you know, what type of life do you want? Do you want something small and manageable with a few people? Or do you want to create something bigger? You know, that does come with more weight in other areas. So those are, and you feel like that's what you, and you genuinely feel like that's what you wanted. Like you wanted it to be at this scale. Uh, if I, like, it feels like such a blur. If I go back, I think I had like a, you know, like like a spot on the horizon where I said, I believe I can go there. And as I, as one foot went in front of the other, it happened. You know, I, I also have a philosophy that there is a solution to every problem. And as an entrepreneur, there's so much problem solving that you have to do. 
And you may not always like the solution you have to pick, but you have to pick something to move forward. Mm -hmm. And the moment you stop doing that is the moment your business, in my eyes, starts to die. So whether you want to go there or not, if you're continually fighting to push forward and be present in what you're doing, I believe that you, you just go there. So, okay. So what is like, what would you say is the entry level product for someone that is trying Ilya for the first time? I think it depends. I would say the easiest entry level product is our mascara or limitless lash mascara. It's a great lengthening, lifting, holding curl mascara. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome for every day. Um, It's safe for sensitive eyes. It is really easy to work with. It's got a great comb mm-hmm. style brush that you can really lift the lashes with that's unique and it holds that curl so depending on the type of lashes you have you know people who find that things weight their lashes down or if you ever get flaking it's it locks in place in a way that's not uncomfortable mm-hmm. it's really like a, a weightless feeling on your lashes and then at the end of the day it washes off so easily you can just even remove it more or less with water maybe a little cleanser but it's you don't have to you know tug yeah. and pull at your lashes so that's a great entry I- point I feel like also uh, clean mascara normally doesn't perform that well. I feel like this is the only clean mascara I've ever tried that actually does work. And I'm not getting paid to say this at all. I just genuinely, it's the only mascara that I use now. Um, so I feel like that's a great one. My entry point product with you guys was the skin tint. It's just, it's so damn good. It's so incredible. That's um, our, another top seller for us as well. If you want yeah. complexion, I feel like complexion is harder because you got to get shade match. So mm-hmm. mascara works everybody, but for a complexion product, if you can try that and get into it, I feel like we can, we can definitely yeah. hook you. My sister, Sister's at first entry product was my uh, blush, the little blush. What would you call that? Like the little, yeah, the little stick. She used mine and she was like, damn, this is so good. And she got it herself. And now she's like a huge Ilya convert. Amazing. Um, okay. I'm like your big, I, I trust your brand, like fully, fully. Are you guys ever going to come out with skincare, like just straight skincare? I don't know. I think, you know, again, every time I look at when we have product discussions, I go back to our mission, protect and revive the skin. So that absolutely could apply to skincare. It could apply to body, Mm -hmm. Um, but it has to be related to the skin. I believe super serum skin tint was like three products in one. You know, you Mm -hmm. had your makeup, your SPF and your skincare. And what I was looking to do is create a multi-use product, which we're known for in a way that is effective, that saves time and that really works. Mm -hmm. And I think it has to serve a purpose. So if the product can line up with our mission and serve a purpose and a function, um, I'd have to say one of the biggest things we've really noticed and where we will focus is outside of doing any consumer testing, our reviews and our testimonials from customers who have problematic skin and how the super serum skin tint has actually improved their skin is amazing. I designed it that way. You never know sometimes that that's going to work, you Mm -hmm. know, but with having that many people try it and write us and write notes to us, it's like, it almost makes me emotional because I struggled with that acne for so long. So I get it, you know, and to know that somebody feels that they can use something that is making their skin better and that makes them feel good in their skin and gives them confidence because that's what acne takes away from us, um, I think is just really like that nothing makes me happier. I love that. That's actually a really good segue into the deeper reason or like the deeper active ingredient is what I call it on what you do or what what your kind of mission is in life. It doesn't have to be Ilya related, by the way, but 
for someone listening or like just what you feel the most called and the most aligned with, what would you say is your active ingredient today? Oh, it's changed in the last year. You know, the first having a business, having kids and, you know, my mom actually lived with me a lot half for half the year for the last several years. So I could do this so I could get it to a place that is great. And now we have an amazing team that it's actually almost uncomfortable for me. Like I'm starting to step, not step, I guess step back where they're bringing me everything to review and it's beautiful. It's really starting to come together in a way that I guess a bigger real company does things. So Mm -hmm. um, I have more time to be able to think about what the purpose is beyond just our mission, because that is very direct and clear. But I think as a company and as a brand, there's a bigger responsibility out there that we have to start taking note of. And this industry is one of the biggest polluters even with sustainable packaging, which we're starting to put into play and really looking at minimizing the footprint, it's impossible. You know, you are creating product, you are moving product, you are pulling on ingredients and raw materials, whether they're sustainably sourced or not, there is, you know, you have a business, you know? So therefore, in my eyes, I have a responsibility to figure out how we can minimize the impact of our business on this planet. You know, one of the easiest ways to do it, and there's other brands doing it, is um, planting more trees. You know, mm-hmm. off like the the if you've watched David Attenborough's um, what is it, A Life on This Planet, mm. I really recommend that people watch that. In the late fifth or early fifties, I think it was was it fifty six percent, or maybe it was in the sixties. Some sixty odd percent of the earth was covered with forest. We're like around twenty five today. What happens when you remove, you know, all of the the trees that are cleaning the air and we're creating more, we're producing more? How is, you know, the earth is, the weather is like, there's all these things that are starting to happen and people are wondering why, but look what happened. We've deforested two thirds of the planet. So my new active ingredient is to really start figuring out how we can make a difference there. And it's going to have to be physically in something happening with the earth. It has to be a physical responsibility in the business with what we make. And then it has to be giving back to organizations that will hopefully be educating the younger generations to become leaders in making these changes. That to me is like my my new mission uh, personally, you know, that I have to have to kind of get into more in the next year. But um, yeah, that's that's where I stand. I mean, it's pretty powerful and I I totally agree and I feel like it's the the immediate answer is like everyone stop producing, right? But that's just not possible. So I feel like leaders like you leading the way on figuring out what those things are that can be just the status quo for any new business entering the market. This is what is like the bare minimum will help us kind of just like set the tone and that be the next wave of of leaders and businesses. I think yeah. it's great. Yeah. And that is to me, I mean, like in the last year we donated to Feeding America because there were 18 odd million people that lost their jobs and they didn't have food. And that was an immediate need that we were able to support. We donated to Black Lives Matter. And the movement that happened there is that to me was an immediate need that needed a voice Mm -hmm. and support. And I think that there's a lot of like knee jerk things that happened, not because 
you know, something something happened to society last year where it put people's attention towards things that have always been there that needed the space and the visibility to be recognized and noticed. And I think for the most part, it's amazing to see how many people chose to show up for that, you know, and that's in the immediate moment. So now how we choose to show up for the future, I think that's really the next stage of what we're going to be seeing happening. I love it. So I always ask the guest for someone who's listening, who may be in that crossroads that you were at when you were 30, um, or who may just be kind of like in a transitional time in life. Um, what advice you would give them for someone that like, is just, they want to be living a fulfilling life. They want to feel completely aligned and have the clarity. Uh, what advice would you give to someone? You have to listen to your gut and you have to listen to your heart. I think if you listen to your head, it can muddle you up and you have to get really clear with your heart and your gut. And when you listen to it, whatever answers you're getting there, you have to you have to try and remove the fear of what needs to happen to make the changes or take the actions towards what it is that you truly want in your life and step forward. Uh, no matter, sometimes no matter the cost. That I would love be it. my advice. I love it. So I always close the podcast asking what is your literal active ingredient? It could be something you consume. It can be coffee. It can be warm water with lemon. It can be hanging out with your amazing two-year-old, like something that's like a literal thing that you have to do every single day. I think it's the waking up in the morning and having my kids come into bed. There's something so, I don't know, just natural about it and cozy and I know that it's not going to be that way forever so taking those little moments or even sometimes when I'm working I'll put the two-year-old down for her nap just taking those tiny little moments between the chaos of all the zooms and the day to enjoy that we're not as easily readily available we're not as readily available a year ago when we were all you know traveling and working in an office so um, my active ingredient is to try and be present in a few of those moments because I can say at the age of 41, time moves fast. And that's the one thing we can't control. It's the one thing that we are all in alignment on, that we are on the same time and you don't get it back. So what you choose to do with it is important. Amazing. Okay. Well, this was incredible. I can sit here and talk to you literally all day. Um, where can everyone find you and where can people find Ilya? For Ilya, you can find us at Ilya Beauty on Instagram. You can see a lot of our influencers doing makeup application, which is what helped put us on the map. And you can see me doing some of that too at Sasha Plavsic, which I have a small following because it's not as active as my team wants it to be, but I'm trying to do a better job. You should, honestly, your story, your story is very, very powerful. I feel like it will resonate with a lot of people that went through or that are going through the same kind of transition. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for, for coming on. Yeah, this was amazing. I had a super time. Thank you guys so much for listening. It would mean the world to us if you could rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.